I'm here with my friend Eli Brill, and uh, we're going to talk. He's going to tell me his story, and uh, he grew up uh, here in the Bay Area, struggling with um, chronic anxiety. So Eli, start over from the beginning. This is so awesome. I wanted to turn on the recording to turn this into a podcast because he was ministering to me so deeply, and I want you guys to be able to hear it too. You have the talking stick, Eli. Let's all see if Ted can can keep that in my hands without wrestling it away from me. So I started out... We, I did not lack. I did not have want growing up. I had everything I needed. We did not feel rich. But we had plenty yet I was racked with anxiety. That was not just a lifestyle, that was the only lifestyle. I didn't imagine that there was another way. I didn't imagine people could live another way. I suffered with it so bad um, that I was actually given anti-anxiety medications. I saw counselors, but the overarching message was you just have to cope with this. This is how life is. So that was the big lie. Um, it, it really was from the beginning of my life up till age 21 and there were times where I'd be super high functioning great a star and then I would tank and there'd be some trigger and all of a sudden I would go into a a total anxiety attack blowout and um, for the sake of time it's like I'm trying to figure out Lord Jesus so what basically happened was uh, at age 20, um, I went away, so I went away to college, uh, to a school on the East Coast, which was a big question mark for our family. Eli, you're great when you're functioning, but when you break down, if you're on the other side of the country and nobody's there for you, what's going to happen? But I can honestly see the hand of God in that, giving my entire family peace that we needed to go there, even before I knew really how to discern the Lord's voice, he was leading me out there. So I go out there. I went out there because the school had was notorious for international business and management and international relations, which were the two things that I wanted to study. They had an incredible study abroad program in Bologna, Italy, which I wanted to go to. That's what attracted me to the school from the beginning. So fast forward to junior year, uh, I'm fine. Amazingly, the first two years, I'm thriving. I'm having a great time. I make a great community. I get out to Bologna, Italy, All of a sudden, everything's not working the way it's supposed to. I normally make friends really easy. I can't make any friends. They said this was supposed to be an easier, and it was a year, not one semester. It was two semesters long. It was supposed to be an easier year. No, it turns out it was partnered with Johns Hopkins Center for International Studies, a master's program. It was the hardest academics I'd ever had. It was supposed to be easy so we could travel a lot, get to know the culture. I can't do that now because I'm having to study all the time. I'm starting to feel the pressure. It's overwhelming. I can't keep up with it. I can't make friends, so I'm getting more and more isolated. The people just want to go out and drink and party all the time. I don't want to do that, so I'm getting more and more isolated. And it's set up for a year, which means I see no horizon of getting out of this thing. It's longer than my vision can go with how this is happening right now. And my parents have shelled out the thousands of dollars for this, so I feel obligated like I can't step away from this. It's a perfect storm that God created for me. 
that was actually what I wanted to do. And what I've learned is God loves to take us into a wilderness that we actually wanted to go out into. But we think it's going to be different than it actually is. So I get out there, my whole life starts falling apart. I start having these horrendous panic attacks like before. My parents send me all they can, which is love, basically over the phone, but it's not meeting the needs like I used to at home, which was I had my community that could be a crutch for me. What I realized is God had to take me out into the wilderness, get me away from all of the crutches I'd been using to survive, but not thrive. So that for the first time in my life, I had to really cry out to him because there was no other option. I had nobody else to go to. And it was in that place that God made himself real to me. And ironically, uh, you know, my story was what happened when I was five years old. My, uh, my parents were not believers. Um, their marriage fell apart. They got separated. And in the same one year period, our house caught on fire. And so what the psychologist said is Eli, little, little Eli, lost his emotional home in the parents splitting up and his physical home in the house catching on fire. Well, yeah, in the same one-year period when I was about five years old. And so they said Eli got separation anxiety disorder and I started attaching myself to my mom and if I was far away from her, I wouldn't be okay. Later on now, go to, you know, these later, later age of life, I would share that as my story, but something always rang hollow in it. Like there was more to that story that I didn't understand. The Lord would reveal that later on. But right now, I'm in Bologna breaking down. What I've done is I'm no longer attached to my mom, I'm attached to my girlfriend. Because the transition to the, to the next woman, but it was totally codependent unhealthy relationship trying to get my security from her totally blowing this thing up and it was it was mutual but it was a mess basically both ways it was actually through that that God reached me in Bologna because I started having panic attacks what if something happens to her what's going to happen to me and it was actually praying one day and the story is even more wild we don't have time to tell it now but involved the Casablanca gone wrong experience with this girl She's dating another guy, but emotionally still attached to me. I visit her in Paris where she's studying, and God sets me up. We're supposed to be there three days and then fly back. My ticket is not registered with the airline to go back. So I'm literally trapped in Paris with no money. I'm a poor college student. All I can do is call up my, my ex-girlfriend, say, help, I'm stuck, what do we do? I have nothing. I need a place to stay for three days till I can get back to, to Bologna. And she says, well, uh, we're actually going away this weekend on a school field trip with my new boyfriend. We're at the train station right now in Paris. If you can get to me before we leave, I will give you the keys to my dorm. But it's a women's only dorm. You're not allowed to be there. So you have to hide the whole time. So talk about isolation. And so I get there to the train station. It really is Casablanca gone wrong. She's with the new boyfriend. It's romantic. It's a Paris train station. She gives me the keys. They're whisked away. I get back to her apartment and I break down. And all of a sudden, it's like, what if, so yeah. what if something happens to her during these three days? I am totally screwed in this situation. I don't even know where I am. I don't speak this language. I am totally stuck. So if Bologna was a wilderness, God doubled it to take me to Paris then in the middle of that Bologna time. And all of a sudden, the best thing my dad gave me was he sent me this book, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. He, he, didn't, 
he was already saved. So now this is age 20, right? So, uh, yeah, so going back to that, it was through that separation that my dad got saved, a Jew. Their marriage got reconciled through that. They're now happily married, 36 years better than ever. So God redeemed it, but obviously there was damage that was still caused for all of us through it. So now fast forward almost 20 years later, right? And, and what happens, he didn't know how to communicate to help me, but he saw he was in pain, so he sent me this Jesus Calling book, which is of a woman who was suffering, who learned to talk to God through it. And I'm reading it, and it's literally her having conversations with God, which I didn't have that kind of experience, because I didn't grow up in a church that understood how to have conversations with God. But I'm reading this like water. Your dad didn't either. He didn't either, but he's being ministered to by this book. The Lord is literally reaching him through this. I start, I read the page, and it's like literally the Lord, it's, it's first person personal. I love you. Jesus is saying this to Sarah. I love you. I have plans for you. This is not the end, it's the beginning. And it's like water to my soul in this place where it feels like everything's falling apart. And all of a sudden, I look up from that book in this dormitory in Paris, and I just go, God, help, help, help. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I hear his voice in this totally calm, nonchalant manner. She's fine, because I'm crying out help for her because I'm afraid if something happens to her. God doesn't try to like do some grand existential comment. No, he meets me at the need that I had in that moment. She's fine. It was so surreal and powerful. Everything changed in me. I literally was able to get up out of that dorm room, get up from that, the anxiety just lifted and I went and walked around town for like six hours after that. Something I physically couldn't do and like five minutes before that. I had a deliverance experience before knowing that language. You haven't even given your life to the Lord. Well, I had. So I've been a believer my whole life. And I see that. I, my mom, once she got saved, gave me this gift. And so what I see is at a very young age, I, the Lord had me. And he was covering me this whole time because of that. And I'm convinced this would have been a lot worse if he hadn't done that. But then as I became my own person, you know, in the teenage years and above that, I had no relationship. I knew he was real. I knew he was there. But I did not have a personal relationship yet with Jesus Christ. I was just covered by Jesus Christ. And I realize that now. So this was the start of the adult personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So sure enough, I get back to Bologna. Everything is fine. I tell my mom what happened. So this crazy thing happened, mom. Um, I think I heard from God, but I don't know what to do with this now. And she says, well, because she's had these experiences now. Have you asked God what you're supposed to do next? And I said, uh, no. About what? And she says, well, about whether or not you're supposed to stay in Bologna. And I said, no, no, no. I'm not quitting. I'm not a quitter. Uh, all the stupid macho stuff. And she said, no, 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 no. I want, you to, I want you to ask God, just like you did last time, crying out to him, what you're supposed to do now. Will you do that? And I say, oh, okay. And I can remember it vividly. I had my dorm room in Bologna, Italy. I had a map above my bed. I look up and I just go, God, uh, am, I, am I supposed to stay here? Fully expecting him to say, stay the course, don't quit, I have a plan. Again, all that stupid macho stuff. You know what he says? 
You've accomplished what you were here to do. Go home. So I call her up and I say, okay, this is what I heard, but, but mom, you'll lose all this money. I'm at the end of the first semester. You've already paid for both. I'm not okay with that. And the school, so actually going back in the story about two weeks, she'd called the school on my behalf, said, my son's melting down. We want to get him home. And they had said to her, of course he can leave, but he's in the middle of a semester, so he'll lose his credits and we won't refund his money for the second semester. So you'll lose all those thousands of dollars and he'll be behind. My mom knowing this says, look, this is how this works. If that really was the voice of the Lord, he'll confirm this. Let me call the school again and just see what happens. She gets off the phone with me. She calls the school. As far as I know, talks to the same lady in the admissions department. I kid you not, this time the lady says, oh, sure, he can come home. Um, He'll be behind, but we can help him get a summer program to catch up and we'll refund your money for the second semester. So she calls me back. So that was my first miracle. Like I experienced a miracle happening through that. Within three weeks, I'm on a plane coming home. And I honestly say I've never been in war, but I genuinely felt like I was going to die out there. I never saw a horizon outside of Bologna because of the depth of the anxiety disorder that I was stuck in. And then I'm on a plane being taken home. And the the only language I could use, and again, like I don't want to act like I I can compare this to soldiers because I can't. I haven't been there. But to me, it felt like I'm being medevaced out of this situation. And I had PTSD after that. And so what did God do? Of course, he didn't because I was in the middle of a semester. I couldn't just go back to school and try to resume business as usual. God gave me four months to recover from this experience and start wrestling with what has happened. So, of course, what then happens, through this summer program, I go to UC Santa Barbara. God opens all these crazy doors. I'm taking ocean kayaking and yoga. It's being approved for credit in my university, which does not approve these kind of courses for credit. They're getting approved for credit. God's doing all these miracles to help me heal. Takes me back. I graduate on time with honors. And what starts happening? I notice my anxiety has dissipated. And it wasn't immediately, but over the next two or three years, all of the anxiety dries up. I didn't know this at the time, but what God had done is he had to speak into the root lie that was causing the anxiety disorder. This goes back to what happened just in the last year. The Lord showed me, why did it always ring hollow when I... When I would share my testimony that my parents got separated when I was five and the house caught on fire, because it went back farther than that. I did an inner healing, you know, a sozo type of ministry. It was actually a heart sink ministry. Um, And the Lord revealed a scene of me being in my mother's womb, being traumatized by something my mom was going through. And this is, you know, the science is now backing this up that those nine months in the womb, the child is literally learning what the world is like from how the mother perceives the world. Never before, because they're so formidable. Because it's so formidable. The paradigms and the lenses. 
So what, what I now learned, so I saw this picture that my mom was being traumatized and feeling abandoned, and that was going to me. And we saw this picture, where was Jesus? Because that's, that's what the key is then. How do you deal with the trauma? You ask Jesus to show you where he was while you were being traumatized. We saw Jesus put his hand on little baby Eli's heart in the womb and on my mom's heart. He did a massive healing there at, at 30 years old now. He did that to show me what was going on. And he showed some other things. But I then, after that time, I went back to my mom because I wanted to validate this. And I said, Mom, I had this really crazy experience. We saw this vision with this healing minister. I want to know if this resonates with you. I shared with her, her feeling traumatized, her feeling abandoned. She gets this face like, yeah. During that time, we were not believers. Your dad was starting his real estate practice. He was working all hours of the night. It was before the time of cell phones. I would not know where he was at night. He would just be gone till three in the morning. I would feel abandoned by this guy over and over and over again during that nine months when you were in the world. And she even told me a specific story uh, about it and and like again because this is a recording what I want to make clear is like since this they've both been radically transformed by the Holy Spirit this stuff has all been dealt with for the two of them but that was the story right we all go through our journey they didn't mean to hurt me they didn't know any better this was their own journey that they were going through they weren't believers yet and so what God showed me is that's actually why it was so hardwired into me because it went back to womb time what was happening to me and so what God had to do was the root lie was when I was abandoned when I had those things the devil then came to me my enemy came to me and said see that's gonna keep happening to you so what you need to do is you need to try to control your environment by holding on to the people who provide for you which first was mom that's what boys connect to mom and then after that it becomes wife or girlfriend right you need to control that relationship so you don't ever feel that way again little did i yeah this is so good and uh no i mean when you're saying when you're comparing it to uh, you know soldiers who have post-traumatic stress disorder um the poem comes to the, the line comes to mind a man's sorrow is his own and his joys who can know them isn't that a psalm or a proverb that's in the Bible. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's not diminishing them at all. But from the point of a minister who's ministered to both, so heartbreaking to see other guys, you know, still on this side of the healing. And their trauma is going through a painful divorce. And, you know, in their formative years. And seeing the fruit of that, so destroying them. And yeah, but one of the hard and one of the hard pieces of it is nothing happened to you. Right, that's the lie, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you whining about? You yep. haven't been through anything, and you know the devil will kill you with a bullet or he'll kill you with a switchblade however he can kill you, you and know? so then that's a double attack against you not only do you have the actual attack of the trauma you went through but you have the double attack of then believing you didn't actually go through anything so you're just a wimp or you're just weak or you should be tougher yeah and so i mean i just 
the, the good news is is that Jesus took all that on the cross. And the other thing is everything you're saying is, is you know, the church was leading the way in this. This is in a good way, you know. And, um, and now there's there's such so much scientific research backing that up about you know childhood trauma at the root of men- so many mental illnesses. The other thing is um, I want us to wrap up saying a prayer because suicide, mental illness are on the rise, and um, you know I mean God instituted marriage to protect children. Yeah, it's the one thing that breaks my heart. Whenever we're talking about marriage and redefining it, everyone's talking about two people making a decision. But marriage is not about two people. It's about the legacy and the children that come out of that. And, um, you know, the church is equally to blame for this. The trauma that comes through divorce and upon the children and uncovering them, you know, breaking covenant. Um, so Yeah, and so speaking to that, um, what God did in that moment of becoming real for me is in that moment he became my father. And he started a journey of re-fathering me. And that is why the anxiety started drying up. Because what I see now is he answered with truth the root lie that the enemy sowed into me, which is you're always going to be abandoned. No, God says he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And as so- it's like that realization came with the first encounter of his love. It wasn't separate. It was all together. And that's why the anxiety started drying up. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to pray for everybody listening to this. So, Father... We're here, if you've heard the background noise, we're in Whole Foods just having fun, feeling the presence of God in the marketplace. But Lord, right now I just pray for Eli and I just bless him, Lord, and I thank you for the calling upon his life, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that you showed him you're his father, Lord, and uh, you've healed him and you've called him, Lord, you've healed him and called him, and I thank you that you're raising up an army of your followers, old, young, you're pouring out your spirit upon everybody, men, women, rich, poor. It's all about you, Jesus. Lord, and we just cry out to you. I thank you for this. I thank you that he's an answer to prayer. I'm praying for the Bay Area, Lord, and anxiety is crippling the Bay Area. It's crippling our nation. We're leading the way. Suicide is on the rise. That is just so wrong, so bad. But Jesus, uh, that does not come from you. But uh, you do have a solution. You took that on the cross. You took that on the cross. Father, I thank you that you turned your back on Jesus. You let him become sin so that you could turn your face to us. Jesus, thank you for doing that. (laughs) And we thank you that we look to you. And I pray a bold prayer. I want to see you eliminate suicide. Amen completely and turn it all into messages of hope it's real i had a friend of mine a father who went through something hard when his son committed suicide and he shared with me something so powerful he said ted keep doing what you're doing because this shouldn't happen again no one else should have to go through this and when he said that i felt 
also the father saying, Ted, keep doing what you're doing. It wasn't Ted specifically. Yes, it is Ted specifically, but it's all of us. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying, believing, following the Lord. Keep doing what you're doing, Eli. I'm with you. And I want this to end so much that I gave it all. I've got skin in the game. I gave my son. We think about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The real sacrifice came from the Father. Even deeper. Wow, Lord. So we pray a bold prayer. And I say eliminate anxiety and suicide completely. Lord, 10, 20, 15, 40, 50 years from now, it doesn't matter. I want to be sitting around with Eli. He'll have gray hairs. I'll still be bald. (laughs) And we'll be saying, remember when people used to kill themselves in the Bay Area. Praise God. Praise God Jesus got us through that. I'm believing that's what he did. I believe that's why he died. I believe that's why he sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And I believe our issue is that we've grieved the Holy Spirit. And if we can learn to ungrieve him and let him do his thing, he will do it again. And he will do it here. He'll do it in our time. He'll do it in our generation. And he's not something he will do if we motivate him. He is one far motivated than we are. And he is going to do this. And he is relentless. And he is strategic. And he is powerful. So move, Holy Spirit. Pray, Eli. Yes. so my prayer, I want to just start first by telling you, if you are listening to this and you do not know that there is another way that there is a life free of anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts, I'm here to tell you there is. There is. There is. There is a life built on righteousness, peace, and joy. And how does it come? It's in the Holy Spirit. That verse contains it all. But how do you get there? Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. So my prayer for you starts with a call. Wherever you are, do what I did. Cry out. It says in in Psalms, this poor man cried out and he heard me and answered me from all my distress, delivered me from all my distress. What does that mean? That means God had to take me to the place where I couldn't rely on any crutches anymore. I had to cry out to him. So what I actually bless you with is a hard prayer, but I bless you to let go of your crutches, to let the Lord take you to a place where you cannot rely on your crutches anymore, that you need to cry out to Him alone. And from that place, watch Him transform you. Yeah. I want to end this. If you're sitting thinking you're alone and you're listening to this, well, obviously that's a lie. You're not alone. And um, uh, other people have dealt with it, have been through what you've been through. And uh, they've come through on the other side stronger for it. And you can reach out if you're listening to this podcast. Go to the Anchor app and you can actually call in and leave a message. Um, Or go to my Facebook page, Ted Haas, on Facebook, H-A-H-S. And uh, look for the bald guy. Well, I have a hat on in my profile picture. Um, send me a message. We'll pray for you. Um. Yeah, and the other thing that I felt to do. So wherever, you're t- wherever you were in defeat and the Lord gives you victory, there you now have authority to bring victory to other people. It says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power 
of the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's our personal testimony coupled in the blood of the testimony of Jesus Christ. So with the authority that I have that the Lord has given me through delivering me from this scenario, Lord, I just, I just bind up every spirit of suicide, anxiety, depression, worthlessness, isolation that has come against anyone within the sound of my voice. I bind them, I gag them, and I command them to go to the foot of the cross now. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and free these people in Jesus' name. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much, Eli, for sharing this. You're welcome. All right. We love you.